Hello and welcome to the Stoked on Spokes podcast. 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 Wait, like SOS? Well, it's about fight, rides, gear, races, community, and so much more. This is the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Let's get rolling. Welcome to the 27th episode of the Stoked on Spokes podcast. Today's a little different. Usually we have guests, but today we are introducing my new co-host for this show, Lizzie Gonzalez. Lizzie, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Alan? Very good. So like usually, we usually would introduce people, but today we're going to talk and interview each other, which is a change of pace for this show. But it's halfway through the season. We're on the 27th episode. So, you know, I thought, why not bring on someone who likes to talk, somebody who I admire and respect, and somebody who has a great outlook and can also bring in some really interesting guests to the show. That would be Lizzie. Yes, that's me. Really excited to be here. This will be a lot of fun. So Lizzie's from the 23rd episode, which had Lexi Steerwald on also. So we've kind of introduced you a little bit, Lizzie. Do you want to give a little bit more of an introduction, talk more about your bicycle background? Is there something you wanted to mention that you didn't mention in the last episode? Yeah, I mean, for the last episode with Lexi, I talked a little bit about how I got into the sport. And that was through my family. And I've been around it pretty much my entire life since I was five. I guess I could talk a bit about my current state in the sport. So I have been racing cross for... Gosh, how long now? It was 10 years, pretty much. 10, 11 years, which is pretty crazy to say. I raced for Cannondale for three three seasons, four if you include the season where we didn't have much racing. I am really just into the sport of cyclocross. I have a lot of big goals when it comes to development and really just inspiring the juniors of the sport and the next generation. You know, I was just recently in Montana with Jeff Proctor doing the Euro Cross Academy, Montana Cross Camp, with 30 athletes, almost 27 maybe. And there were 11 girls and 16 boys, all under the age of 18. And I really got a taste of what the coaching side of the sport is like. And I had been a camper for three three years I went to Montana. So it was the first time that I really got to connect with these athletes in a different way. So I got a taste for my goals in the sport and I can sense that they're going to go way further than just athletically for me individually. So I'm really excited to be able to be with you and really just open up the minds of other people that are into the sport and create a bit more of inspiration for the development. So I guess for some reason I have to introduce myself for once and talk about my background. Let's, Alan, Alan, oh, tell us a bit about yourself. We know that you do Stoked on Spokes podcast. We know that you're an announcer, but like, how'd, how'd you get into this? Where, what's your background? Tell, give us a little bit about your life, Alan. Well, my background is I grew up on a dairy farm and I spent majority of my beginning of my biking traveling back and forth to work other farms for hay, hay bale season during the summer. I rode a lot of what I call tractor tire paths because that's what all of our trails were on the farm. They all had tractor tires that, you know, got rutted up because of mud and different things like that. So very bumpy on, you know, department store mountain bikes. Then I, you know, went to college and I did what every guy in my family does, which is I graduated college around that time and I lost my metabolism. I got to almost 300 pounds and I couldn't stand it. I was in pain and I hate running. 
So well, I... <laughs> and here we are. We're doing it. Right, we're doing so cyclocross. Was cycling was cycling your outlet for that? So is that how you got into the sport? So I did a bunch of research for probably half a year, and then lost I think fifty pounds in the first year, and just kind of slowly got into it. My first group ride, I remember, for the first year I was on flat. I was on flats because I didn't have any idea on how to clip in, and it took me a, a, a winter season of being on the trainer to actually get comfortable clipping in. And then it kind of went off from there of just doing charity races for road. I eventually tried a year of USAC road, which it's just not for me. But I think for that for that kind of stuff to be competitive, even the Cat 5, you have to be at that speed. And for me, trying to lose weight, I just wasn't there at all. Then I eventually moved to Ohio in 2014 in Columbus. Same thing, tried to get in with their road scene, and just I wasn't fast enough, so I got into mountain biking. Wow. So you got into all of this when was the time that you decided to start announcing and even starting this podcast like when did you come to the realization that you wanted to branch out more than just participating in the sport on your bike well it was gosh 2016 i just came back from doing a little bit of road racing for charity races where they actually counted results and i won all three of them um, congrats so i but they're all like short distances they're like 25 20 miles and all their stuff still though i mean pretty solid and then i just had a friend who's an official he's actually officiating uh the snowshoe mountain bike world cup right now his name is katsuhiro tanda from columbus ohio okay. and he just yeah, called I me know him. he called me out and he said hey come race this cross race and i just worked out that day and i said oh, i'll come and watch and then i checked it out in columbus and the next year i was like yeah i'm getting into that went into cross Built up a 2015 Specialized Crux S-Works and from scratch. Started racing on that frame and then eventually realized I was on the wrong size, so I had to do a, a little bit of changing around. But mm-hmm. got into cross, just tried it, enjoyed it. Got the fever, I guess if you want to call it that. Yeah. And uh, at some point, you learn to realize racing isn't everything. So I just started volunteering. I started help building courses. Before I was a race director, I probably helped set up 20 courses easily over three or four years. And then from there, it just it all snowballs from there. You know, I want to do more stuff. I got into officiating for a year. Then I became a race director. And for some reason, I'm crazy enough to announce starting this year. And I guess it just makes sense to... Do a podcast if you like to talk and I almost about did, bike racing. I almost did the podcast four years ago, and then I had the fr- some friends in Cincinnati, Doug McClintock and John Worley, who started the Gravel Lot, and they started a month before I bought the equipment. So I was like, well, mm-hmm. I did a video series called the Cyclocross Flop for a little bit, and it's still mm-hmm. on YouTube. It was a couple of years of just going around the Ohio Valley area and just recording little 10 to 15 minute videos of just the local scene interviewing people who don't get always highlighted kind of like where this goes off of you know interviewing people who aren't you know maybe not everyone knows about but have fascinating stories so that started and i had one rule which was i always included a woman in every episode of the flop no matter what that's great yeah we need that more inclusion we're talking about the fact that we're now going to be co-hosting this as much as we can. You know, Lizzie's going to yep. be a college student. She's in her second year at Marion University, double majoring. In- yeah, mechanical engineering and chemistry for me. It's actually interesting because I feel like if I didn't go to Marion that this probably wouldn't happen right now. So I kind of decided after I graduated high school, well, I committed it early October of my senior year, but I kind of decided I took AP chemistry, I took AP BC calculus, very math and science driven, very academically driven as well. I feel like that a lot comes with 
discipline with the sport even i know a lot of the top athletes are also very academically driven just because it's in our it's in our blood you know we're good at time management we like structure so i kind of just decided that i wanted to do something with sustainability because we're killing our earth and i feel like that's kind of just where we're going with things i gotta we gotta figure out how to engineer things in order to start reversing that process so I really wanted to go into green chemistry and chemical engineering. So I actually thought about applying to UMass Wolf to get into their green chemistry program, but I didn't. I toured UVM. I toured Marion, obviously, UMass Amherst, and I only applied to UMass Amherst and Marion. So when I was starting to think about Marion, I was talking with Coop and Dean at the time. He's, he's no longer running the program, but I found out that they had a dual degree engineering program with Purdue. So I was actually grandfathered into the program because this the year that I went to Marion was the last year they were offering it because they're building their new engineering school on campus, which is awesome. But for this program, Purdue has a joint program with Marion for five years. You get to choose one of their engineering disciplines and pair it with any major that you want for Marion. So unfortunately, I didn't have chemical engineering as one of those options. So I went with mechanical engineering and paired that with chemistry. And now that I'm actually thinking about it, I honestly think that going with mechanical engineering was just would have been the better option anyways, just because it's so broad. And when I graduate, I kind of can do whatever I want with it. I don't necessarily need to go into green chemistry if that's not what I want to do. I mean, my dad has a degree in mechanical engineering and now he works. He's in a management position and has his MBA. So you can kind of go different ways, but I feel like if you have your mechanical engineering degree, especially as a female, it's just very desirable because you know all of the technical ins and outs of certain processes. So I feel like it's just a good, it's a good degree and good pathway for somebody who is likes to problem solve and think critically. So I kind of just went with that. I have a lot of people that look at me very, like I have three heads when I tell them that I'm dual majoring, let alone mechanical engineering. Maybe I'm a little crazy, but I mean, that's fine. It's something that I want to do and I'm passionate about it. So yeah, I just feel super grateful for the opportunity to be able to be on scholarship with Marion and risk collegiately because honestly, it's been some of the best times in my life have been with the team and there's 70 plus athletes racing across five dis disciplines at Marion and I've met some really, really cool people. So yeah, I wasn't really was super stoked on going to Indiana for school just because I mean, I am from New England. I, I like the ocean, I like the mountains, I like skiing. So that was kind of hard for me, but putting things in, into perspective, college goes by really fast. It's only a few years. And I obviously get to come home for the summer and be here with my family and friends. So I feel like it's a good it's a good balance and I'm honestly just really excited that I get to race my bike at a high level and also go to school for engineering. So, yeah. Degree program. Was that the main reason mm -hmm. you went to Marion or was it just because also they had yeah. cycl cycling that made it, you know, the perfect match? So I sat down with Dean, Hoop and Michael. Obviously, they're they're directors of the Marion Cycling and I I was it was a pretty serious conversation when we were negotiating scholarship. And I was there with my mom and I looked at them and I, I said that Dean, Dean, I think at that point on, he thought of me very, very highly in a, in a different way. But I, I kind of looked at him and I said, 
I understand that this is the last year that you're offering this dual degree program. I just want to make sure that I will not get stripped of this opportunity and this degree because at the end of the day, I'm going to college to get a degree, not to race my bike. That's something that I feel really strongly about because obviously with cycling, it's not an NCAA sport. So I can go out and get paid to race my bike and have the collegiate also. So I didn't necessarily need it, but I think that they realized that I have the potential to do some really amazing things for their school and the sport. So yeah, we negotiated and I, it was just, it was a good, good fit. And it was just right for me at the time, but I truly believe that you are going to school to re- to get a degree, not to race your bike. It's just kind of nice to have both. <laughs> so should I talk about my college then? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if you want, what did it, you study? It kind of, By the way, it, you it kind of, it kind of falls into place in that in some ways. It kind of falls in place with the sport in a little bit. So I went okay. to when I was picking out colleges, I got a lot of crap because I decided to go to a community college because one, I didn't feel growing up that I wasn't in the right place to go away from home and be wrongly influenced. I knew a lot of kids that were, and I got crap for being an A minus student and going to a community college. But I also went with everything paid and extra money coming back every year with scholarships. So I went to Jefferson Community College in Watertown, New York for culinary arts and then realized it wasn't what I wanted to do and went to Niagara University in Niagara Falls, New York, which is a Division I school for sports management. Graduated, uh, worked for a AAA baseball team called the Buffalo Bisons in their sports food service for an internship. And I also interned with the Niagara Falls State Park in Lewiston, New York. Graduated and realized maybe it wasn't what I wanted to do. So I got back into restaurants afterwards. But a lot of my degree work was in facility, regular sports management, a lot of logistics, things like that. So at the end of the day, the stuff I do when it comes to race and directing helping out volunteering it all kind of works with what I went to college for oh that's really cool yeah I mean when obviously my parents have three kids in college like right now and our older brother Greg actually went to community college for the first two years and he's mechanical engineering but I think that it's like way smarter you know I mean for the first two years unless you're going on a sports scholarship like Tina and I are for the first two years it's all gen eds anyways so, I mean, you obviously went for something and then decided it wasn't what you wanted to do and then went back, but all the credits transferred and didn't set you back in any way. So no, I and, think it's really interesting how shut on that. And I went to my first year of private Catholic university and only had to take out a $2,000 loan because I could pay the rest of it out of my, out of my pocket. It's amazing. Debt, I, debt is so, it's just, it puts you down so much. And, it sets you back. It ties you down. And graduated with $20,000 worth of debt, which I paid off in three and a half years. Yeah, look at that. That's great. That's that's awesome. I mean, some people graduate with a quarter million dollars of debt, and then it's just like you have a mortgage. Yeah, well, I like know. I said, I grew up on a, in a small business, and everything in that is about planning. It's not about just going for something because you feel it's the right thing. It's mm-hmm. It's about planning and, like, yeah, we didn't make a lot of money growing up, and guess what? Everything had to be planned out, and that's just the way it is. And somehow I wound up in Ohio. (laughs) Midwest. (laughs) Yeah, like I said, started riding bikes in 2012. Late 2013, I was in a really toxic relationship. And the girl I was with decided to say that I had to stop riding bikes. Yeah, you mentioned that. That sucks. And I I laughed laughed (laughs) so hard. She's like, I want you to sell your bike and stop riding. 
And I laughed in her face and walked away. Good for you. Because I didn't start racing bikes to race bikes. I started because this is a lifelong activity. It's a lifestyle, yeah. And it makes you feel good about yourself. Important. And it's not my fault that she never cared to understand why I did it. My parents had a hard time with the falling out that I broke up with this girl because they thought she was great and she was extremely selfish. And it was rough for a couple months. And then my cousin was moving to Columbus, Ohio. So I joined him. I was there for four years. I moved back home in 2018. Decided it wasn't for me for a little bit. So I moved back for a couple more years, 2019, 2021. And then I lost two grandparents in 2020, both my grandfathers, early 2020, couldn't make the funerals, was had a really hard time for a month and decided I had to come back home at some point because I have now two nieces, three nephews are all growing up. My youngest nephew wants to ride bikes all the time. This is the right move. I miss everyone in Ohio a lot, but I mean, heck, I was even adopted into the Cincinnati Cyclocross family when I did my first race uh, directing, but this is the right move. I'm I'm happy to be around family. I'm happy to be where I should be. And that, that doesn't hold me back from doing other stuff. I can still travel to Cincinnati, Columbus and do stuff. I've already got offers to announce races next year. Yeah, there's there's still opportunities for me. And I had a talk with the New York State person for USAC for cyclocross. And he's trying to talk me into putting on a race next year because my area in central New York only has five race days this year. Where are you in New York? Uh, I'm in Watertown, which is, if you know where Syracuse is, which is literally dead center, I'm two hours straight north. So like right off 90? Right off off 90 on Syracuse, then going up to 81, which is that goes from my area all the way to Florida. Got it. Yeah. 90 is definitely an interstate that I know very well. I'll be doing that drive next week (laughs) to go back to school. Last year, I'm putting on this uh, cross race, and then all of a sudden, I meet this person who absolutely crushes the Lionheart's race, crushes Carter Park, and then all of a sudden, I'm just talking with her after the race is over, and that's kind of how we first met, right, Lizzie? That was that was Carter Park, I believe. I mean, Lionheart's, refresh me of the... Lionheart's, I was officiating. Venue? I was officiating was Lionheart's. Is that is, where King's is? It's old... Like across the street? Yeah, it's old King's. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I remember that. So King's was before Carter Park, or vice versa. Lionheart's was before Carter Park, yes. Okay, yeah, because I was like... I feel like the first time that I remember us having a conversation was Carter Park after a race. I think I was at podium or something and yep. and you maybe had handed uh, prize money out. And then we kind of had a conversation about the course, about the sport. And you kind of just thanked me for like, being there, excited that I'm going to Marion and that would be able to collab, I guess, a bit more. So, yeah, yeah. I was pretty close with Lexi, I think, at the time. I was kind of helping her through some mental mental conflicts that she was feeling with sport i mean obviously whoever had listened to the previous episode can listen to a bit more about that but yeah i think that was where we first met yep and then i ran into you at rochester probably a couple weeks later oh just that was to, such a shit race just to say so just to bad. say just to say hi um you were so nice and friendly i was like she's pretty cool maybe lexi is right maybe she's pretty cool it. <laughs> appreciate it yeah if that was if that was after my race, I'm pretty proud of myself because I had I had some cramping issues at the beginning of the season, I'm sure. Not great. And found out after going to Jeff Brain for a bike fit that my neutral position of my feet was off. So every time that I would pedal, there there was room in my shoe. So my foot would fold down. And my left would always go before my right. So I had to get inserts for it. But I literally double calf, lock up, fell over. 
like on the side of the like I couldn't finish the race both days. So yeah. that was pretty unfortunate. Because <laughs> I remember at Rochester, me and Matt Stewart were walking around. We were talking to I think it's also Matt from who runs, Matt Timmerman? Who runs ASU oh, from Chicago. And he was like, oh, Yeah. From Chicago? AS, uh, the ASU program. Oh, Matt Knowles. You're yes. talking Matt Knowles, Nate Knowles' yes. dad. Yeah, I drove up with them. We did a road trip to Rochester with Ryder Utrecht, Nate Knowles, and his dad. And that was probably one of the best trips that I ever had. It was right when I joined Marion. So I had known Ryder, but not really me. And I was like, yo, you, you guys have room to go up to Rochester? And that was so that was so much fun. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. glad he, you had a conversation with And him. he was talking about how, you know, she wants to be in that front. And I said, everybody wants to be in the front. It makes sense. But, you know, I also understood that this might have been your first real year doing just elites, right? Yeah. They didn't have a junior category when I was younger, like they do now. So I was the first year under 23. I had already raced with the women. I started racing with them when I was 17, 16, that year that I turned 16. And the year before that, I raced Cat 3 men because I couldn't race the elites. Because I think I remember the first time ever hearing about you was I was watching, gosh, what was it? It was highlight videos from New England, and um, <laughs> and there's there's this this young kid who's just still with with Ferringer, like the uh, like one day for an entire oh my God, was for that an, MBX? for right yeah it was MBX, and you're just with her the entire race, and they're just mm-hmm. talking about it, and I'm like, who is this person? And then all of a sudden I look up your name, oh okay, and then that I, was CX. What when did they do that series? It was like the heat or something. It was like something about like. They talked about the UCI races that happened that weekend, and it was like highlights. I know exactly what you're talking about. I wasn't sure. If it was, was, I wasn't sure if it was a UCI or was just part of the. It was. Or it was, it was just part of the. Uh, I forget what the series is that New England has now. Victoria uh, series. Yeah. Victoria, but no, it was a C two. Okay. Um, that was honestly kind of a crazy weekend because I've had some history with Lyme disease, and I, the first time that I ever had Lyme was right around there. And it was that season, 2019, I think 2019. Yeah, that sounds about right. I hadn't, I woke up with an inflamed knee and it was really weird because that's one of like the really early symptoms of Lyme. And it's really, it's common around New England because we have ticks that are super small, but I don't ever remember getting bit. So I kind of thought, okay, like, did I hit my knee on anything? But I went to the doctor's office and they did a blood test and turns out I had tested positive for a band of Lyme, which was kind of crazy. And my physician told me, you caught this very, very, very early. Like, you're going to be okay. We're going to put you on three weeks of doxycycline for an antibiotic to to kick it. And that week was the first week I started. And I felt, like, amazing on the bike. So it was almost like my body was fighting something and then felt a lot better. And that weekend, I had a breakthrough ride. I was super nervous to start racing again after I had, like, been, like, diagnosed I guess with that something you live with for a long time I cried I was like am I going to be able to be competitive in Europe and all this stuff but everything ended up working out and I obviously nothing chronic ever happened and I've been getting blood tests just to make sure and I've kicked all the bands that I had so that's really good but yeah that weekend was breakthrough for me I think Ruby West was third both days so it was kind of kind of wild at that point I was kind of like I I can do something with this. It was my first year as a junior. So I was like, maybe I can be competitive in Europe. And then obviously had the opportunity to go prove that later on in the season, which was dope. But yeah, that was the first weekend that I kind of was like, damn, 
I can, I can, I can make myself be the best if I want to. So yeah, that's cool that you saw that video. And that was the first time that you kind of knew who I was. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Cause I remember I was like, when I first saw, like, I was looking at the list for like lion hearts cause I was officiating that. And I was like, who is this person? And then I just started, Oh, I realized how I knew of you yeah. from, from those races. Yeah. And then we met up of course later, I think at Cincy, which was your breakthrough weekend last year. Oh yeah. It was fifth both days. Dude, that was wild. That was wild. And it was just cool. I was pitting for Sarah Larson both days and literally like where it was, it was amazing to watch just you, you know, be in that position, be in that, especially on Sunday, you're in second place, I think for at least the first two laps. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sitting next to Chris Arndt, who's pitting for Jen Malik, and we're like, who's that in the black kit? Because I was in a Marion kit, yeah, and there was coverage. So basically how that works is if you travel with Marion and they're accommodating you for the weekend, you wear the kit. And Katie Keogh did that also when she was racing on Marion, so it's not usually – it's not a big deal at all. Cannondale understands the deal. But I think it was awesome that I was in a Marion kit because even j Powell was like, who, who is that, you know? kind of be, was able to create a bit of um, attention for the school, for me, a little bit of mystery kind of people were like, what? But yeah, I, I like straight up cried after that. I was like, you know, being able to have a breakthrough ride like that at such a young age in the sport is pretty incredible. And I don't remember what day it was. I I ran into you later during the the men's race, the next later, one of those days. And it was just nice to chat with you and talk about how awesome that weekend was for you and how a breakout it was. (sighs) And then, of course, I ran into you at Major Taylor the next weekend, and I was working with Aether Racing, and it was nice to, you know, see you succeed and chat with you for a little bit and talk it up a little bit before the collegiate championship race and after. And, yeah, I realized, wow, this person really likes to talk a lot. Yes, I I, I definitely don't mind talking at all, especially when the other person's interested in conversation. So Back then, I was thinking about the podcast. I was trying to think about guests and things like that, and it just was a natural fit that, of course, I wanted Lizzie on at some point. Mm-hmm. It was just trying to. Figure, and here we are. It was just trying to figure out how that worked out and who to pair you up with and go from there. And even though it took us like six weeks to finally have it happen, dude, we, I know it's it was a wild summer. The thing is with me with scheduling is that if I have a time, I'm good. Like I can kind of build my day around it. But when I just got a day, then I'm like. Uh, well, I have to do all these things. How is this going to fit together? So I'm very, I'm very organized, but when it's too broad, I get stressed out. So always a time I'll be there. So anyway, like I said, we're 27 episodes into the podcast. Where is the podcast at right now? So it is August 30th. Our podcast performance right now is at 2,290 listens for 26 episodes. Oh yeah. We have an average of 95 listens an episode. Our biggest weeks during the last one and three weeks was 144 and 146 listens each. And currently the most listened to episodes so far is episode 23 with Lizzie Gonzalez, Lexi Steerwalt. If you haven't listened, go listen to it. <laughs> the other episodes that are reaching over 100 are episode 16, Mr. David Palin, Dr. Tracy Berman. Episode 6, Gators Bike Park. Episode 25, Brent and Corinne Evans. And episode 7, Mike Perry, Shannon Peterson, and Tim Hamburger talking about Pelotonia out of Columbus, Ohio. Hmm. Interesting. Solid. That's kind of where we're at right now. I haven't had a lot of big names on. I did have Gage Heck on. I think that did push a little bit of the listenership. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like I said, the big thing with this podcast was sharing stories. Exactly. Sharing. Get the traction with 
bigger guests, get more listeners, and then be able to also share stories and get the name out there to even more listeners. So like I said, I think I have a good catalog so far before I start dropping big names. Therefore, I think it's a it's a good catalog so far that if people are like, wow, this is really good after listening to the Lizzie Gonzalez episode, they're like, whoa. And then they start <laughs> going back and back and there's a lot to listen to from there. And I think that was a, I didn't plan it that way. I didn't plan that I would be co-hosted and have a stellar athlete like Lizzie on at some point, but it happens. So, I mean, we've got other episodes coming soon that we can't really, well, we could talk about it, but at the end of the day, I think, I mean, I mean, we have some big goals. I mean, we're talking about where the podcast is. So let's talk about goals for this podcast. I mean, obviously I'm bringing you on because I think you have a great opinion when it comes to cycling. Thank you. And I think that, you know, a lot of fascinating people that can help one broaden who I talk to, but also can broaden this listenership. Yeah, for sure. I think that there are a lot of people in the cyclocross community that I've been able to meet even just in the past year. I mean, working with Midwest Devo has been amazing. So I feel like even bringing that into the podcast would help broaden. I was over in Montana and there were two Midwest Devo athletes over there. Ava Shipman. She's 13, I think. She's one of the youngest to ever be there, which was amazing. And to get through a week that big was pretty incredible for her and then also Alec I don't know his last name but he was also pretty young 14 or 15 years old so I mean that's the next generation right there and you have all of their coaches and parents who are want to invest into the sport and into them so I feel like even being able being able to have some people on the podcast that are involved with that can can really help even getting more people into the sport never mind also having listeners to this podcast but feel like this could also be a great way of developing athletes and getting more people on their bikes. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, my goals for the future of this are not to be what I want it to be. It's let it naturally develop however it wants to. And in just my luck, I might have Lizzie bring in a ton of people who have great opinions. And the next thing yeah. I know, maybe we have little parts where she's doing weird stuff at UCIs or funny stuff at UCIs. But bringing in people like maybe like Jeff Proctor, maybe like a Stu Thorne, people with great opinions. I mean, you're from New England, so you've got the whole Jam Fun crew down there which i was yeah. wondering were you ever part of the jam fund no not really i, I mean, mean even a, a scholarship recipient for jam fund or no no i never really applied for the jam fund scholarship but i do know some people who received those when we were juniors but i was really involved with ap junior development for almost my entire junior years until i got picked up by Stu on Cannondale. yeah i mean i was super close with some people on jam anna savage she raced for them for a while i mean it was stephen hyde before he was stephen hyde ellen noble before she was ellen noble pretty much anyone who was anyone that came from jam i grew up racing with them in northampton and watching all of the verge series victoria series unfold so just because i was tied up with AP junior development. I never really stepped into to jam fund, but I was definitely really close. The New England cross community is super tight knit. I mean, I I noticed similar things with the Midwest and their cyclocross community. It's just different people. So we all we all got our little communities spread across the country and at some times in the year we come all together. But yeah, I mean, Jam Fun was has always it's been a big part of the New England scene and 
Al Donahue has done a really amazing job of producing some phenomenal athletes. I mean, we've got a, a ton of people to talk to through Lizzie's connections, I think, which is good because I'm getting sick and tired of contacting all my friends. I got friends too. Okay. I'll just bug them. <laughs> but I mean, it was great. I mean, we obviously have another episode that we're going to be recording in the next couple of days. But when I reached out to those guests, I had one of them say, I always have time for you, Lizzie. I always make time. And had the other one say, absolutely. Whatever day works for you. So it's kind of, it's really cool to see just having, just making simple conversation and it can lead to a lifelong connection and, and a relationship that you don't really necessarily know where it's going to benefit you down the line. So just being a genuine human being gets you really far. And I didn't really realize that until I'm pretty much an adult now. So I, I didn't really realize all these like life lessons that my parents were shoving down my throat, like be humble, be kind, always put a smile on your face when you need to. And just, just be yourself because that's what people want to see and be consistent in the way that you communicate with other people. And it's, it takes you really far. And I saw a lot of that at Montana as a coach too. So it's kind of cool to see all that unfold later on in life. By the way, who were the other Montana cross coaches? Okay. We had, obviously, Jeff Proctor runs runs the show. He's a star. I have known him for well, a really long time when he invited me to the first ever women's camp when I was under 23. And I was 14, so I was four years younger than everybody else there. That was pretty wild. So to have somebody believe in me at such a young age and to even announce to me the morning of our Tuesday morning conditioning session that there was going to be first ever junior women's 17 18 world championships in 2020 in switzerland when i was going to be a first year so to have somebody believe in you at that at such a young age shows his commitment to development i mean he's doing it now he's just retired after being a teacher of 35 years for ap literature in helena montana so he's he's full tilt into this development and he's planning on taking a group of athletes over in october and november and december to europe so he's a star, obviously, to have a camp that's run for that long, you got to be doing something right. He also had Chris Young, who is from England. And he, when, when Tom Pidcock was 10 years old, he was running the British cycling development. So he would have weekly sessions, training sessions with these kids like E.B. Richards, Tom Pidcock, talked a lot about stories behind that and training them for six years i mean tom pitcock went from age 10 to 16 and also ben turner so a lot of really big names but when jeff proctor was racing in europe at a super high level professionally for cross chris young was winning those races so he's a star super funny his accent's great i got to spend a lot of time with him and uh, we have a place to stay at forever in england so that's pretty cool he was a really, really amazing guy and obviously very good at coaching and dictating what he needs to get across on and off the bike. And that was really, really admirable. Super cool guy. Who else do we have? We had Jules Van Kempen. He was, well, when I led my classroom session, I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm the youngest coach that Jeff's ever had. Like I wanted to use that when I was giving my talk about identity that I ended up doing. And Jules was like, oh, I'm also 19. Turns out his birthday was the next day, so he's 20. So, yes, I am the youngest coach Jess ever had. Haha. 
but <laughs> Jules races for Alpha Groove Bicycle Company out of Colorado. He is originally from North Carolina and he moved out there to be on the team because you have to live in Colorado in order to be on Adam's program just because of being close and things like that. Caroline Moni is also part of the program now, Lauren Zoner, that I've been racing for a while with. He has dual citizenship in the Netherlands. So he is very well-rounded individual, super grounded, also going to college for economics. And he was able to race over in Europe during COVID because of his dual citizenship. So he's just cool, super cool, down-to-earth guy. It was nice to have him for the junior boys and things like that. And we also had Raylan Nuss to come and do the elite women's position. So Raylan obviously races for Steve Tilford Foundation. She's been doing her own program for a really long time. And she raced for MAP. She was, she's obviously been on Specialized for a while. She is such a cool individual. I really, really got to know her quite well this week, hanging out with the girls. She's super down to earth. She has some really, really big goals with the sport. Her, her main goal for Cross is to make it cool again, make it relevant, make it where sponsors want to put their money into because right now it's in gravel. And that's where the consumers are. So that's where the sponsors want to be. So she has a lot of really cool ideas with media and how to make things relevant again. And she really did a really, really nice job at connecting with the girls. Uh, by the end of the week, we were <laughs> we were all watching The Bachelorette doing face masks down in the common room. So it was it was pretty cool to see that and to talk a bit about our personal lives and She's really close with her sister, and she mentioned that she watches The Bachelorette with her every Monday, and I was like, no way. Like, me and my twin sister do that every week. We, And it's not even like I get bullied about it, how I like to watch The Bachelorette and things like that, but it's more just being able to have that time to, to connect with your best friend. So just being able to connect with her, share contacts, gave all of the campers our phone numbers just to be accessible, but it was so amazing to have all of us there because as camper I've seen the athlete coach relationship and this was the first year that I felt like every single athlete felt as though they made an emotional connection with one or more coaches so there you go that's I, I kind of just went into a big spiel about all of the coaches that were there but I'm pretty passionate about the people that Jeff invited to the camp and I felt like it really just created an amazing atmosphere for the campers. When it comes to, obviously, when it comes to this podcast too, the the big thing is I believe that one, you have a great opinion. So as far as I'm concerned, I want, as much as I want to direct it, I also want to give you a lot of direction too of how you want to push it. Like I was telling you before, you did a really good little bit with a video for Tulsa Tough at the end of that about why mm -hmm. we should care about women's racing. So yeah. if you want to push that directive, if you want to, bring on your women's road crew every once in a while or whoever you're going to be signing with for cross. And this is an open forum for Lizzie to push, you know, her love of cycling as much yeah, as it is. I mine. Appreciate it. Yeah. I feel like I am very passionate about the sport and I wouldn't necessarily consider myself like a feminist per se. I'm not really like, I don't get angry about it at all, but I definitely feel like, I am a very big part of it and I need to embrace that. So 
I don't try and correct people or get offended when people don't like include or they say like, hey, guys, I'm not like one of those. Well, there's girls here, too. I'm pretty, pretty chill about things like that. But I feel like you definitely need advocate have, um, advocates in the sport for pushing women in racing and pushing numbers, pushing participation and most importantly, pushing to have people in the sport that are willing to help. It wasn't really until I feel like maybe this year or last year that I realized my my position in the sport as a role model. And I think that it's super important to have the elite athlete make the initial connection. And I know we've talked about some collaborations with the Lionheart Juniors and doing Q&As and trying to make girls feel included and like they have friends because we talked about with Lexi that it's really hard to get girls to stay in the sport at a young age because it's not a school sport and girls don't get what you're doing and they they ask you what you do and you say you ride bikes and they say that they rode their bike to the grocery store that was four miles away and you're just like well that's great but I don't that's not what I do so if you like to have like women in the sport that are willing to help be there and be an outlet for boys and girls, anybody that really wants to get into the sport. I think it's super important. And I just want to do everything I can to make that happen and be that push. Yeah. I remember in 2019 at Cincy, I reached out to Kerry Warner before we were going to possibly do a little bit of vlog stuff together for his. And then I show up the first day, some junior took his camera. I, ran into Raylan because I ran into her on Friday uh, that weekend. And then I ran into Raylan on Saturday. We talked a little bit. I ran into her on Sunday and we made a deal that I was going to run around and videotape her instead. And then I talked to Carrie later and said, sorry, <laughs> someone, someone grabbed my attention and I worked with them because it's really, it was how not... did, how did that go? I'm kind of curious. 2019. That was 2019. So yeah, we shot day two, 2019. I worked a little bit with her sponsor was Cincy mini. And okay. we talked a little bit about that. Then I posted a full vlog of just Raylan. We got some stuff with her talking to some juniors later, some Lionhearts. One was Lexi. Then we worked together at Major Taylor for both days, did one video off that. I mean, we talked about my responsibilities as co-hosting. And I was very honest with you. I said, listen, like, I don't think I can do every single week episode. Yep. I don't even know what my schedule is going to look like. But I want to help when I can. And I don't want to over, I'm not going to push myself to the ground to make every single week happen. But the way that you were kind of like, well, I'm going to give you the guests. So I'll give you the time. And if you can make it, that's great. And I want to be able to do what I can. So I think that's just important just to be yeah. honest and feelings. You might hurt some feelings. We're just going to be honest. And at the end of the day, if all it works out is that you're only able to do episodes at UCI's because you have a really busy college schedule, that's okay. Mm -hmm. I'm just want to be honest with you and forward. And at the end of the day, I think if we could do some stuff while you're in college, it might help. Mm -hmm. But the problem is I currently work a job that once school starts up, I'll be working 2.30 to 10.30 at night. So my weekdays are shot. Yeah, exactly. For recording. It'll be a process. I'm, I'm not looking forward to the idea of trying to find a way to get people to only record on weekends because that's all once schools start up, that'll be literally my schedule. That's just the way it is. Yeah. And racing is going to be tough. Racing, I mean, obviously, yeah, so it might be a lot of, you know, trying to get people on Saturday or Sundays or talking to people who aren't racing cross because they're probably not going to have as much of a commitment as we do. Yeah. So that's going to be a lot of filler episodes, which I, I know is, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we have goals. I hope we can meet some of them. I hope we can work around your schedule and 
we'll just kind of go from there. That's the biggest thing. Yeah, for sure. I know my individual mm -hmm. bike goal is to get the heck out of Cat 4 for cyclocross. <laughs> but besides that, to promote, to be a race director, to be an advocate for just everything bikes. I mean, cyclocross is great, but everything bikes because I'm yeah, gonna, sure. I'm not going to stop doing it until it's no longer fun. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen. It'll never happen unless you unless you want it to happen. And it'll never happen. You know, so, bikes are as fun as you wanted them to be. So, Lizzie, what are your personal bike goals? Long term or short term? Everything right now. Everything. Oh, this is a loaded question, Alan. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about long term and short term goals on the bike with my coach because that's what pushes you in the sport. So some of them, a lot of them are results driven, you know, and you have to build up all of your tiny goals and your process to make that happen. So I want to win Pan Ams. I want to win nationals this year. And I've always had a very, very big goal of becoming a world champion. And I still believe that that is something that can happen. I'm not really sure when, and I feel like I should probably start getting that concrete because I, I read a book on uh, self-talk and if you kind of tell your brain to do something and, has, and you truly, truly believe it, it has no other option than to make that happen. I remember, was it 2020 Junior Women Worlds where Maddie got yeah. third? I remember seeing you in the beginning of that race oh, up the front. Yeah. I don't know if you yeah, want to, how far you want to go back into that. I got the whole shot, Alan. I was leading Worlds for like half the lap, which was wild. I blew up like crazy, but I mean, I still got some camera time, so that was pretty dope. It was my first year in Europe. And that is the race that Jeff Proctor told me about in 2017. So to see all of that unfold in the span of two years. Oh, my God. It's two years. It's not even that long. It's so crazy to see that that goal that I didn't really even like set concretely in my brain at that age happened. I'm realizing that I can make some pretty, pretty amazing things happen in the sport for myself. And I mean, we've talked a lot about off the bike goals as well. Not only do I want to win big bike races, but I want to be able to build a platform to expand on this sport. You know, I feel like I've already built a pretty decent sized platform from results and just conversations and just basic people skills, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. But I have no doubt that I'll be able to build even more if I continue in the right direction and focus on those goals. I'm hoping by the time I'm done with the sport, like on the bike, that I've left a really big footprint for everyone else, and especially the juniors right now. All the all the little ones that are three or three years old right now, learning how to ride their bike. I want to be able to de help develop champions. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't think world championships are out of question when it comes to American women. We've seen Katie Compton. Yeah. We've seen Katie Compton on world's podiums. I know. So I don't think at the end of the day, an elite women's world U.S. champion is out of questions for the women's field whatsoever. I agree. So I just got to kind of figure out my college years and guess decide, come to a point where I decide what kind of shift I want to make and how much time, you know. I've kind of, I talked to Raylan quite a bit about this at camp, but I feel like there's a part of my like strong base that's really lacking for that like next step for me.
But in order for that to happen, I have to sacrifice five more hours a week to train. So it's like, can I successfully do that and still be happy? Is it, is it, is it my time to do that yet? You know, I, I don't know. So it's just some things to think about. I mean, what were you saying? I mean, I'm not your coach, but I'm wondering is you, you've told me before that a lot of your weaknesses revolve around power for the most part. Yeah. I mean, we'll see how this season goes. This is the first year that I had a really a full calendar with road and I've trained consistently. So that might directly reflect and bring me that next step up. But in order to be competitive in Europe, you need more. You need more time in Europe. You need more discipline. And I don't think I'm at the point in my life where I'm able to give a bet. I, maybe I can give a little bit more if I sacrifice if I sacrifice a bit of school time. Maybe I'll be able to put a bit more into my training. But I just don't know if I'm ready to do that at such a young age yet. I was just wondering because I, I, I can easily notice in the women's elite field racing UCI domestically, you're probably one of the smallest. I am a tiny human. Yes. So we're at a 48, 48 sized frame. <laughs> well, when I had Pete Hitzman on an episode 22, he's a strength and conditioning coach. And we were going over the, the other guests, Michael, and kind of like, what do we need to do to possibly, because he races NUE mountain bike and usually gets top tens, higher spots. We were just kind of looking at like what his advice would be. So I'm wondering, because his advice for Michael was a lot of core work, overall body work, a lot of strength conditioning that way, looking at, you know, six-hour mountain bike races, 10-hour mountain bike races for 100 milers and stuff like that, mm-hmm. of looking at more core and more overall body lifting just so your body can handle the end of a 45-minute cross race, for example, so that you still don't feel that fatigue. Exactly. I, I don't know how um, that issue is with you right now, but... Uh, I'm in the gym pretty consistently. I do a lot of plyometric work, lifting mostly lower body. I don't really need to do much upper body, just need to make my core really strong. And I definitely think I could add a bit more of that into my routine, maybe a little bit more like spaced out every day. But I feel like at this at this point and for my age, I truly think that I spend a lot more time working on that than a lot of other women my age. I'm not sure what the Europeans are doing for that. But I've, I feel like I'm pretty strong all around in that if I just keep consistently doing that. I mean, this is the first year that I've really had that structure in my way, in my, in my training and just made it happen. Like you keep doing that consistently. Only good things are going to come from that. So definitely will be continuing to push that into my training and just makes you feel good. It makes you feel more balanced on the bike and can be really weird running with a bike on your shoulder because you can get like all lopsided and stuff like I went to PT one time when I was in cross country and my PT she's amazing her name's Emily she we did some balancing exercises and she had me balance on left and right foot and then put a weight in my right hand and she's like uh Lizzie like you're more balanced with a weight in your right hand because you run with a bike on your shoulder and I'm like oh god and doing doing all that exercise to offset that I think it's really important and a lot of athletes don't even think about that. She was even talking about drinking your water bottle with your left hand as well yeah. as your right because you're constantly bending down and that creates, like, it doesn't make you, it messes with your symmetry hmm. in your body. It's uh, crazy, mm-hmm. but it's really true. We're so used to doing the same motion over and over again when we never practice it on the other side. And you, you need to have that happen in your, in your body. 
I mean, the only way I'm using my other side is if I'm switching water bottles from front to back because the front's now empty on a road ride. That's the only time I'm really, you know, thinking. There you about go. It. Drink, drink your bottle with your left hand. Well, for me, it's my, my PT, right. Emily would be proud. Yes, opposite. Whatever. For, for me, it's I'm a lefty, so yeah. So yeah, should I mention more about? Should I talk more about myself? Because I feel like it's the Lizzie show again. <laughs> yeah, we should. I I just don't think that you're used to. Um... I'm a very humble person. I'm a good listener. I believe that to be a good communicator, you have to be a good listener. And I don't like to steal from people's spotlight sometimes because I think that it's important to learn more about other people. But fine, I'll talk about myself. Um, we got you. We're co-hosts, dude. This is an even job. Well, I, I, I'll I, get better at generating questions. That's the thing. It's like you've had 20 whatever episodes to learn how to ask questions and things like that. I'm, I'm good at asking questions, but not when it's like this is very new setting for me so it's a growing i want to get better it's a growing process we'll we'll slowly develop that but i mean the biggest thing for me is like i said as much as i would love to get out of cat four and eventually be able to race masters my coach has been telling me that because of my strength background because i grew up on a farm i could easily be a masters national champion if i put the work in in 10 years dude for sure because i lifted hay bales and wood all my life Love that. And Dude, when like I was, in the gym every day. When I was much. when I was in high school, I was able to squat four hundred pounds and I can still max out most of the leg machines in my high school weight room. Does so this happy. make you want to push your goal more towards I don't know maybe like, becoming a master's national champion? As, Dude, self talk. If you want it to happen, make it happen. As as I've I've slowly realized and I've I've told other people this. I said at the end of the day, there are people who are always gonna race and that's it. They might volunteer for their team's race, but I think it takes a person to realize at some point, not like I say, you want to grow up because you realize there's more than just bike racing. But for me, I've always volunteered a ton growing up. My grandpa was Santa Claus for 35 years in my community, and I was an elf when I was five years old. And little things like that, I think, (laughs) are, are so important, seeing other people's happiness and putting on things to see other people. As much as I want to be a, a master's national champion, I want to put on bike races. I want to volunteer. I want to maybe announce some UCIs like I might be able to this year or do more things or not like I'm saying I want to announce nationals. That'd be cool or a UCI. But at the end of the day, I want to find different ways to push myself and challenge myself. And there's more than just bike racing when it comes to that. So what do you do that's not bikes? What do I do that's not bikes? Yeah. Like, what do you like to do? I mean, I did that whole self-talk on identity and, um, had, like did an exercise where I asked people to write down all the things that made them happy okay. in this two minutes, ex- all the people, places, things. And then I asked who who mentioned their bike and every single person raised their hand. And I'm assuming you would have raised your hand too. So what, what, else? what, what el- do you do? What else? Well, I worked in restaurants for 10 years. I went to, I got an associates in it. I love cooking and I love cooking so much that last year for three races, I cooked for ether racing at their UCI's. Which, I'm going to come taste this food. Which was Alan. fun. I mean, what did we do? We did chicken stir fry at Rochester, Cincinnati. We did, we actually served people and made 150 bucks for Lionhearts doing grilled cheese sandwiches and steak tacos. And I put the cheese on the griddle first and then the bread. So you got like a crispy cheese on the outsides. That was pretty cool. And Damn. then at Major, okay. Major Taylor, we just, I cooked for. ASU with Mr. Knowles and Ether and whoever else Mr. Knowles said feed. <laughs> yeah. And we just did grilled cheese for that uh, because I was pitting like six races that week. No, five races that weekend. Mm-hmm. 
but you needed to. There was so much mud. <laughs> but there's 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 so much more to do. Like I said, let's shoot some videos of like what go down in the pit because it's ridiculous sometimes. Do some pit drama. That could be a reality TV show. Or that could just be video that that we work on where we're together or when you're at a different race. Besides that, I used to, I was a songwriter um, in and out of Nashville for three years. And then my genre switched in 2012, so I stopped doing that. What else? I've written a cyclocross song like we've men- I've slowly mentioned to you. And I have a, hey, I have a feeling she's going to con me into, time? I have a feeling she's going to con me into right, completing, completing it one day. And the next thing I know, she's going to bring a guitar to a UCI. 100%. Dude, just give me the chords, and then I'm gonna tell you that I'm not recording, and then I'll be recording, and then it's just all over the internet. That's it. You're you're literally ticket to Nashville right there. I'm more of a lyricist, so I don't know how much I can do the chords. I might have to send you the lyrics, and you can and how I sing it, and you can kind of figure out the chords if that works for you. Dude, I could probably do that. Yeah. Okay. Great. <laughs> and I'm I, like I said, I, I'm big on family. I grew up with two little sisters. I think that's the biggest thing why I care so much about women's racing because I grew up playing soccer with my sisters. I was an announcer for women's hockey at my Division One school. Did uh, color commentary, but also when I wasn't working, I was working college radio, and we were at basketball, hockey games, working post game interviews for both sports, and it was a blast. And I think that's kind of what pushed me into eventually wanting to do this because I did years of talking to division one athletes. Wow. You're really doing a lot. Food and bikes. Yeah. That's good. Things. Yeah. Food, bikes, and music. Food, you don't need anything music. else. Three keys in life to happiness. <laughs> but the one thing that makes me excited is in the county next to me, which is Lewis County. They're starting their own cycling club called the Adirondack Foothills Cycling Club. And as much as they're advocating for overall cycling, they're getting a ton of women in it right now, which is awesome to see. Cool. That's awesome. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing. We're talking about planning rides for next year. I'm planning – I've already talked to them about the idea of doing a gravel ride. I talked – of course, and I talked to the head of uh, Nisbra's, uh CX, and they are like, we need you to do a race. So, yay, I get to do races in multi- multiple states. Let's go. And the ven- and I got to figure out a venue, but the venue I think will say yes is a summer camp with a half a story and a half of elevation change and beaches and lakes and – the ultimate cross race on forest trails and beaches and be sick. stairs and all the other stuff. All of the things you need for big, a cross race. Big steep, That's awesome. big steep runoffs, drops, riding around campsites. Yeah. That'll be sick. That's the one that you are putting on in New York. This is, to? this is a venue I got to talk to. We got to, we got to start me and my bike shop have to start. I, I realized when you talk to venues, it's a lot better to do it with multiple people than just yourself. Interesting. How come? How come? I think it's a lot easier to shake off one person than a local business who sells bikes in your community. Okay. Because there's more in that. There's more. There's more of a push. Like, if we can have this event, we have a bigger reach because of that. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was in Dayton and we were trying to figure out a backup for Carter Park because when I took it over last year, it wasn't my venue. It was Matt Steerwaltz, and he said, "What if I want to put on another race?" his way and i was like well we have to find a venue so we tried to find a venue and we didn't and we slowly realized it's very hard to approach a venue by yourself because it's easy to shake off and and those relationships are everything i mean we've lost great venues over the years because of sometimes things we can't handle we lost austin nationals we lost joe creason in louisville because of mutters well austin nationals that save the trees man 
Dude, that was wild. <laughs> I mean, there's no longer Holy Week in New England. We lost Gloucester. We lost Providence. We lost those venues, which are so hard to imagine. Yeah, I, I don't even know the stories about losing those venues. I just know that I've had a lot of great memories there. I think I think Richard Freeze was kind of a big part of Providence. and not really sure why that venue ended, but I know Gloucester, the town, just couldn't, they couldn't handle it. They hated it. And when you got a lot of wealthy individuals, they have power, so... Something like that doesn't happen. My main goals are just being an advocate for cyclocross and cycling, just like your goals are. Goals are good. Got the same goals. You make this thing happen. All right. So we might as well ask the last question of the day, which, Lizzie, what is the last question of the day? What currently gets you stoked on bikes? Okay. So I guess I'll start. How's my podcast voice? That was pretty good, actually. (laughs) All right. So what currently gets me stoked on bikes is just the community. It's just giving back. It's riding a bike race yesterday to support someone else and not doing it for myself, which is something many people never say. Yeah. Supporting someone else because I was man enough to say, Hey, guess what? I'm not in racing condition right now because I had to take a break because I was working two jobs for five months. And you know what? I still want to be there. I still want to do something than just not, than just staying home. And that yeah, was important. Really and I guess the, the lady I helped got a third place age group podium, shaved off 12 minutes from her last year's time. And that's what gets me stoked is making other people fall in love with cycling as much as I do. I love that. And the fact um, that my youngest nephew wants to ride bikes all the time. That makes me stoked too. How, how old is your nephew? He's going to be four in October. and Get him into BMX when he's five. We don't got anything for BMX around here. We really don't have much. Besides some charity, really? besides some charity road races, I mean, Syracuse has cyclocross, but it's a two-hour drive for us. So, trying to f- find local stuff is a little hard. That's why I want to get him more into the exploration and adventure based of cycling first. So, riding to get ice cream or riding for different things. I think that's, that's great. I think that's a good way to start. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah, just get them to like love their bikes. You know. I thought a little bit about this question and I obviously answered this with Lexi in the previous episodes and I answered the community too. I feel like a lot of people feel that that way. And I feel like I can answer this question a bit differently coming back from Montana with Jeff and all of those kids being with a bunch of individuals that have such a passion for their bike to want to travel and push themselves in an insanely hard week of training even for the coaches we were sore like we're all everyone's sore so to see everybody with that much drive and to see how much of an impact I can make on all of them makes me realize that there's a lot more to the sport than just myself racing it and that gets me stoked You know what else gets me stoked? What gets me stoked is the current state of U.S. American women's cyclocross because this year is an open door for so many people to walk into. Or our defending U.S. U23 has a road contract. Becca's racing gravel. Katie Keogh just retired. The door is open to take over. Someone like you, someone like maybe like a Hannah Aaronsman, a Raylan, who's, you know, Pan Am champ from last year. Someone like Emily Warner, who just won her first uh, UCI mountain bike race uh, this year. The door is completely open. Maybe like an Anna McGailey, who came in big last year and got some podiums. And I think won Hendersonville, I believe. 
She did. Yeah, I got stuck in both days. They shuffled around me. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Son- yeah. maybe Sunny Gilbert can finally, you know, put her foot in the door and say, "Yep, yeah, I'm more than just a runner." So sure. it's an open door it's this year. It's a new year. chapter. It's, it's a new chapter. It's going to be extremely entertaining to watch the women UCI this year, and we've got a firsthand uh, account with uh, hopefully talking to Lizzie as much as we can about yeah. you know the process of what's happens this year. Exactly. Got some nice little stories along the way of how things are going in sport firsthand, like right in the field, all the action. So, yeah, that'll be really exciting. And what gets me also stoked is the idea of being at UCI's and hopefully Nationals, doing interviews with Lizzie, talking to the people who we should be talking to, maybe throwing in some uh, phone interviews because I have Bluetooth through my soundboard. So if somebody wants to call in while we're recording, we can do that too. Yeah, just spread the stoke. Yeah, for sure. So thanks for joining me today, Lizzie. We're talking about new futures. We're talking about the future of this podcast. Any last words today? Well, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to Alan for welcoming me with open arms and having a lot of creative ideas and allowing for me to be flexible and accommodating of all of the other commitments that I got going on in my life. So I'm I'm really just excited to be able to do as much as I can for the sport this year while I'm still racing at a really high level and to hopefully be able to meet some other people that feel the same way and continue on this crazy journey that we're all on in the sport of cyclocross. So I'm just looking forward to hopefully perfecting my podcast voice and creating some really interesting conversation with some pretty incredible people. So yeah, thank you. And thank you to Lizzie for bringing new life into this podcast. Not that it's been horrible so far. (laughs) Sometimes you need to change it up. And sometimes you need to understand that there's more than just what your thoughts and directions are. For sure. Here's to new beginnings, new chapters. Exactly. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Stoke Don Spokes podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, subscribe, rate us, and tell your friends about it. Check out our Patreon page for additional bonus content. and. Follow our Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on all the things we are working on. Until next time, just keep rolling.